Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. Good morning. It's great to see you. Uh, Just first off, I want to thank this body, this church, for welcoming my wife and my family into this church. Uh, I really love it here, and I can say that I really love you guys. I mean, this is an incredible place, and I count it a privilege to be able to stand up here and share with you today. And uh, while we were worshiping, I just, I don't know, I just kept looking around, and I saw all the ladies, I saw all the women, and I would just like to say a prayer for you. If the women, the ladies, you could stand up. I want to honor you. I know it was Mother's Day. (laughs) It's great to be honored on Mother's Day, but what about the next day after Mother's Day? (laughs) You go back to the same stuff, but I just want to tell you how significant you are. And I believe that most people in this room could testify that you're a believer in God because your mom's prayed for you. Your mom stood in the gap for you. So can I just pray for the women? If you around one of the ladies stand up, would you just put your hand on the shoulder or just extend your hand to them? Father, we thank you for the ladies. We're so blessed, so blessed to have women in our lives, Lord. Men need women, and we're thankful And today we pray a blessing over every woman in this place, every girl, every young lady. We pray a blessing. Father, would you bless them? Would you keep them? And Lord, would you pray? I I just want to pray this prayer. I pray that all of you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. God, these women, their souls would prosper. They would be in good health. Spirit, soul, mind, and body. So Holy Spirit, fill them up today and give them a fresh drink. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, ladies. Yeah, let's give them a hand. I know I'm standing here because my mom prayed some prayers for me. We've been on this Thrive series, and so I want to just jump right in, try to get through it in about 30 minutes. We'll do our very best. And I ask the question, are you thriving or just surviving? And so often in life, we just go through the motions and we just begin to survive when God wants us to thrive. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in good health. And sometimes when we think of prosperity, we just think about money. But just like the prayer in 3 John, that he wants your soul to prosper. He wants us to prosper from the inside out, that we have the right thinking, we have the right thoughts. We think the thoughts that God thinks about as we think about ourselves. We see ourselves the way God does. And so if you were to look it up, it would just mean to flourish or to prosper despite circumstances or situations. I'm trying something new this morning, y'all. 
I've got my computer. I've got Daryl's clicker here. Yeah. Here we go. It's kind of like when you rub your head and do that, you know. I'm trying to, and I've got my phone here, my Bible, my water. Man, I'm cruising. Okay, we talked about identity last time. And I just want to hit these five points real quick. Identity. You know, Jesus knew three things. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from and where he was going. And if you're going to thrive in life, you need to know these three things. Who you are, who your identity in Christ is, who he says you are. And so often, have you ever done this before? Have you ever been on Facebook or Instagram and you post something and then you go throughout the day going back and you're checking, man, who liked what I posted? Have you ever checked to see who likes what you post? So often we can wrap up our identity and how many likes or dislikes we get. Just want to free you from that, free me from that, because I've been guilty <laughs> myself. Royalty. It's a, it's a mindset. He doesn't, the Lord doesn't want us to have a poverty mindset. He wants us to have a, a royalty mindset where we think the right thoughts about ourselves. And Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. He's the prince of peace. We're co-heirs with Christ. Everything that, that Jesus died for, that's our inheritance. He died to give us an inheritance. We're co-heirs with Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Wow, you're, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We belong to God. He put a mark on you. That's my boy. That's my daughter. That's my son. So we've been marked by God. We're a new creature new creation, new creatures in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. We talked about vision. Without vision, people perish. Have you ever seen yourself do something before you do it? I Just a quick story I, I thought about. I took some kids to eat ice cream and I saw this lady get out of her car and she was in a lot of pain and she was walking real feeble. And I saw myself in the picture go over to the lady. It was like a mental picture. Go over and put my hands on her and pray for her. And I saw her change when I did that. So I stood there for a minute. There were a lot of people there. Because you know in the summer people gather to eat ice cream. And I just stood there and I said, Lord, I'm going to do it. I know this is you. And I went over to her and I placed my hands on her. Well, I, I asked her for permission first. I didn't just, hey, woman. <laughs> I said, ma'am, do you mind if I pray for you? And she's like, oh, I need prayer, please. And so when I placed my hands on her, I just prayed a simple prayer in the name of Jesus that God would touch her. And just like the picture I saw, her face lit up, her body, everything just changed, and she just started moving around. And you know what was, this is so true. Her grandkids were with her, and when I did that, they looked right at me and they said, was that magic? <laughs> and I thought, 
her perception, no, it was supernatural. God did something, but in her mind, it looked like magic because her, mom cha- her grandma changed. And so in this room, God might be saying to you today, I've got a vision, I've got a plan, I've got something for you. And so we've got to start thinking and believing that these are like God gives us visions and dreams. We'll talk about convictions and influence a little bit later. Let's go to the next slide. I think you guys might have to click that one for me, if you can, from back there. Yes, this was one from last week. The iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, there's so much more going on underneath than above. And if you look at the slide to the right, our beliefs, that's the widest part of the pyramid. What we believe drives our values, and that affects our actions. So much of what we believe, the base we build determines the life we live. Only a Jesus base, a firm foundation will produce a Christ-centered life. Everyone's life makes a statement about what's important to them. What's important to you will come out in what you value. Let me ask you a question. What do you believe about God's word? Is it true? Is it the word of God? Is it living? Is it active? Is it sharper than a two-edged sword? Is it God-breathed? Is it useful for teaching, rebuking, training, and righteousness? If we believe that, then one of the values is we meditate on the word of God. We read it. And I want to read a verse. If you could just mark it or highlight it in your Bible, go to Deuteronomy real quick. Chapter 6. I'm going to read just a, for a second. Here we go. Chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So basically, if you're breathing, you should be thinking about God and his word. When you go to bed, when you get up, when you go to eat, when you're walking with other people, whatever we're doing, like the word of God, it says should be on our lips. And Joshua says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. My daughter, we dropped her off for college her freshman year. And you know how they tell you, give your kids some space. Don't go, don't go visit them right off the bat. And so we waited a few months. And I remember this as clear as day. She was at Fife for a little small college. And I went into her, her dorm room and all over her door, It was nothing but scriptures, index cards. They were on her mirror. In our home, we placed a high value on the word of God. 
when our kids went to bed, that was our, my favorite time with my kids. I read them Bible stories. They'd say, Dad, tell me a story about you. I'd tell them a story about me. But my daughter grasped it. She caught it. And then when I came up here to see her at App, the same thing. Her dorm room was full of the scriptures, full of the word. She moved to Winston. I went to Winston, the same thing. She's 26 years old, and the word of God's all over her. In her bathroom, on her mirror. I'm telling you, church, we need to start impressing them upon our children. Not just our children, but our children's children. Anybody in this room remember life before the cell phone? <laughs> Do you remember that the people that you love the most, the people that you valued the most, you memorized their telephone number? That's a lost art, isn't it? Because we have our cell phones now. But just think about it. If you value, if, if God's the most important to you, you memorize numbers. You memorize places. Oh, yeah, I know that's on the right side of my Bible about right here, even if you don't remember the verse. There's something about valuing the Word of God. It's a high priority. In 2009, I wrote it in my Bible. The Lord asked me to memorize. He said, I want you to own Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I mean, I could keep going, but do you own any scriptures? Do you have any life verses that are so impressed upon you that if you hit a, hit a dry patch, the word just comes out of you? The, the love of God and the love of the word of God comes out of you. Let's go to the next slide. I feel like Daryl up here. <laughs> Man, Daryl's so good at this stuff. Dreams. We've been talking about Joseph. The backdrop of all we've been studying is his life. And how did he do it? It started with the dream. And I believe this. When God wants to do something in the earth, he has a baby. When God wants to accomplish something, he raises up a man or a woman. He raises up men and women to accomplish on the earth what he wants to do. He has dreams for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You've heard me say this before several times, but hope is the confident expectation that good is coming. If you have a thought that doesn't have hope attached to it, I said this last week, it's probably under the influence of a lie. If your thoughts don't have hope attached to them, God is the God of hope. He has dreams and plans for our lives, and it's so important that we connect with those dreams. Do you have any dreams in your heart right now? In this room right now, there could be an invention that God's put on somebody's heart. There could be a cure to some medical problem. There could be a new business that needs to open and boom. 
There could be, look at the creativity around this room. There could be a painting. There could be a song. There could be a melody. There could be a rhythm that God is waiting to birth, but it starts with a vision. It starts with a dream. And I believe that's how Joseph was able to do what he did. He held on to the dream, and this is the theme. He embraced the process. Guys, life is hard as you know what sometimes. It is hard. But you know what? When you have a vision and you believe all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, then you have something to stand on, the word of God. You have a promise, and you can walk, and you can run, and you can keep moving forward. This is what you should expect about dreams. Acts 2, 17, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Every night before I go to bed, almost I ask God to give me a God dream. God, give me dreams tonight. And I would pray that over my kids, and I still pray it over it. While they're asleep, they don't even know I get up in the middle of the night, and I still pray over them when they come visit us. You gotta have a dream. I don't know, by looking at me, you, you could see that I'm an older person. But I'm still having visions, so does that mean I'm young? It says young men will see visions. I'm still seeing visions. And I'm dreaming dreams, so I guess I'm in between, I guess. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that, okay? Remember the thought that from the movie Gladiator, the things we do here on earth echo into eternity. When you have a dream about something and you go for it, your personal breakthrough could be a breakthrough for other people. I mentioned Roger Bannister last week. He was the first guy to break the four-minute barrier in the mile. He had a dream. He had a vision. He said he saw 359. He kept seeing 359, 359. And that day, he, I think it was May 6th, 1954 or something like that, he did it. He broke the barrier. People thought your heart would explode if you ran that fast and ran that hard for that long, but he did it. But his breakthrough after that more and more and more and more people started breaking the barrier because he paved the way. Some of you sitting in this room are history makers. God wants to use you to break through, not only for yourself, but for your families and other people. And I believe that's what happened to Joseph. His breakthrough was a breakthrough for his family. Let's go to the next slide. Embracing the process and thriving through obedience. I believe obedience is a key to thriving. Therefore, everyone who has these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Building on a firm foundation. The first time I came to speak at New Life, God showed me this. He asked me a question, are you listening? 
It's so important that not only are we obedient, but we're, we're learning to listen to God. And then we're learning to obey God. We can hear all day and not do anything with it. It's time to listen and then say yes and step into it. You'll be like a wise person who built this house on a rock. And when, when trials and tribulations come, you're not going to crumble. But in this same story, Jesus said, you're a foolish person if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice. I like the word practice because that means you have to work on it. Nobody's perfected hearing God and doing it yet. But we get to practice it. We have the opportunity right before us to practice it and put it in motion. Genesis twenty-two eighteen. This was Abraham. This was a breakthrough for Abraham that affected Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. There's the word obeyed. Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. The life of Moses, I looked it up. This phrase appears nine, almost a hundred times. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Almost a hundred times. And man, old Moses was up against a lot of odds. I mean, anybody walked through a Red Sea before? Anybody asked God to part one? Just think about what he went through. But you know what I believe? I believe it was a process that that Moses went through. I read this one time. Why do you think he was raised by Pharaoh? If he would have been raised a slave, he would have had a slave mentality. He was raised in a palace. He knew what royalty was. So in order to do what he was called to do, he had to go through a process for later in his life when he would go back and free the people, the slaves. They were in bondage. So sometimes we're in a process in life, but we've got to be obedient. I want you to catch this phrase here. To know God's will for the future, we must first obey what we already know in the present. Hear that? To know God's will for the future, we must first obey what we already know in the present. It's hugely important. What is God asking of you and I right now? What is the one thing he's got his finger on saying, I want you to be obedient in this one thing? It could be finances. It could be a, a relationship. It could be in your marriage. It could be in, at work. Stewardship and faithfulness. If you want to thrive, become a great steward. Be faithful in the little things. In Genesis 39, I'll just pick up in verse 4 there. It says, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. 
the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left, listen to this, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Joseph didn't own it, but he managed it. When you go to work every day, do we have a goal to bless our boss, to bless that business just because you're there? You might not even like the job you're doing, but what if, you, what if we catch a vision? What I'm doing now will affect me later. If you're a college student in here, I wanna, I'm really strong on this. In your renting apartment, you don't own that place, but how are you leaving that place? How are you going to leave that place? One of the things I've taught my kids, I want to leave this place better than I found it. Did anybody notice the front of the church? Some of you might have walked right in and didn't even notice it. But you know what? When my wife and I got here, we said this. This is our, our home. We want to make this place better. So my wife and I got together she picked out the colors, and I got some people together, and we painted it. Not to toot my own, but I want to be a good steward of this place. This place has tons of potential. But it's what we're doing. Anybody in here want a new car? Hey, if you want a new car, what are you doing with the one you've got? What kind of stewardship are you doing with the car you've got right now? When you get in it, does it look like Somebody's been living in it for like five years or is it cleaned up? Have you changed the oil lately? Like, this is stewardship. What are you doing with your body? This is a temple of God. What are you doing with your body? I just believe so, it's so true that God honors faithfulness. If you look at the story in Matthew 25, 23, his master replied, this is a story where a master left some servants in charge and he gave each of them different amounts of money, basically. His master replied, this, two of the guys out of the three, they doubled the money, that, they doubled what was given to them. And this is what the master, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. God gets excited when we take something and we make it look great. God's happy and we get to join in the happiness that God has for us. You are creative people. Just look at this room. Look at all of the the art, the talent that's just at this one church, the music. I've never been to a church that had so many musicians. I mean, it's amazing to go to New Life and to come here. And every time I come in, like on a first Wednesday, somebody else is new that's singing. I'm like, dang, I didn't even know they could sing. But yeah, they can sing, not just sing. It's like, really? 
there's some good stuff coming out of here. But can I encourage you to embrace the process of stewardship? Time. Can I just say this? It might be a, don't take this the wrong way, but I've got to be a little bit harder, you might say. Is this, would you say, like, if you were teaching your kid, is this God's house? You know, would you say, we're going to God's house today, or I've heard parents tell their kids that. Well, if you were going to meet with God, would you be on time? I mean, I'm not trying to be religious, but I'm just saying, if you have an appointment with God, wouldn't it be great to be on time? My grandfather once told me, you're never on time. You're either early or late. So if you want to be stewarding your time well, don't hop in the shower five minutes before you're supposed to be here. Plan the night before what you want to do the next day. Plan. Stewardship. It's important to God. The little tiniest things are really important to God because there's promotion waiting on your faithfulness. This is a big one. Forgiveness. How in the world was Joseph able to forgive his brothers who threw him in a pit, sold him as a slave? you read Psalm 105, he actually put him shackles. No, it wasn't some nice glorified little, he was a slave. He was sold as a slave. But he, in a process of in that, in that place, he had to learn a lot and he had to learn to forgive. Notice what he said to his brothers in Genesis 45, four through eight. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Talking about a process, not to put the blame on somebody. Whenever you hold unforgiveness, we think we're punishing the person that we have unforgiveness toward, but we're really not. We're punishing ourselves. Anybody in this room ever been offended? I'm not gonna play music and make you get offended. I'm not gonna do that. Sometimes we pick up things like offense and then we carry them around because we're offended. And after a while, they get heavy, and they take a toll on us. They take a toll on our body. When sometimes the offense is a process that he wants us to let go of, 
So if you've been offended and you're carrying something that you shouldn't be carrying, like a fence, I mean, wouldn't it look, if you could see a fence in a person, wouldn't it look weird to just see people carrying like stuff around all the time? Trying to hug people. Let me hug you, I can't. I got, I got this in front of me, this offense I'm carrying. I can't really love you because I've got this offense. It's between us. So guys, something that's more powerful than offense is blessing. Jesus told us to bless those who curse us, who say things against us, to pray for them, to bless them. And you know what? It's really hard sometimes. I've been, I started a business with another guy when I was 20 years old. And through the years, I've had, I'm not exaggerating, people owed me thousands and thousands of dollars that didn't pay me. And what I had to realize was this business is not my own. This money is not my own. I'm a steward. The Lord's had me go to people before Look them in the eyes and shake them and say, I forgive you of the debt you owe me. I bless you. Not religiously, but I had to do it for my own health because I didn't want to carry that bitterness and that pain around. And one time, not too long ago, my brother and I painted a restaurant. I won't name the name, but the guy went bankrupt and owed us thousands of dollars and I was in the store. I went there to eat. God had me. I saw, there's another picture. I saw myself going to the store. And believe it or not, I had a Jesus sweatshirt on. And on the back, it said, that's all. And the lady there that met me said, I love that sweatshirt. So I said, I just thought to myself, I'm going to get her one. So I, I said, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Left what I was doing. I went and got the sweatshirt and I brought it back and I handed it to her. And I felt like I was acting in the opposite spirit. I was going to bless this place that took from me. And so I released that restaurant and that money to the Lord. And I blessed that lady and I gave her that sweatshirt. Sometimes God asks us to do things that are opposite. Because his kingdom and the world's kingdom are flipped upside down. The world says, you want to be great, climb to the top. His kingdom says, you want to be great, be a servant. Chris Valentin said, forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. We have to decide. To, even today, I believe God's asking some of us to just leave it here. Leave any offense you might have, any hurt. You know what? People can get hurt by coaches, teachers. You can be offended. Huh, it doesn't take much to get offended if you let it. What if we could be a people that, I don't even know if this is a word, but what, word, but what if we could be a people that were unoffendable? Like you could not be offended. And I'm not downplaying uh, playing hurt because it's real. It's a real feeling. It's a real thought when people say things about you or falsely accuse you. But don't you believe that Joseph was falsely accused? 
Pharaoh's wife said, this Joseph character tried to rape me. He was thrown into prison. And when he took, when he came into leader over Egypt, he had to make a choice. He had to forgive his own brothers and he had to forgive Pharaoh. I mean, he had to forgive Potiphar. Real quick, I'm trying to get through this. Embrace the process. If you were to look at James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Notice the word face trials of many kinds. Not run from trials, but face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We all want our kids to grow up and mature. God the Father is the same way with us. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. And sometimes it's the process. I believe this. God's more interested in the journey than the destination. It's what you learn from here to here that makes you who you are when you get there. If Joseph would have, if it was possible at 17, would have taken that job over Egypt, what would have happened? It would have been a catastrophe. 13-year process from the age of 17 to 30 before he took the lead role in Egypt. Last one. Make a difference. I've been saying this to young people. I've been saying this to e in emails and texts. Make a difference. You were born to make a difference in this world. You're a, you're, you've been placed in history to, to leave a mark on it, to leave it better than you found it. And I just want to encourage you that Joseph made a huge difference, not only for himself, but for all the relatives and all the people that left to come to Egypt. Jacob and his whole family packed up and came to Egypt. And it was because this one man made a difference. You remember when he was there with Potiphar's wife? She kept saying, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. And he said, how can I sin against God? How can I do this? I don't make lightly of it, but really, she tried to grab him and he took off. That was the first episode of Naked and Afraid. I'm serious. He took out of the house naked, run, ran off. He, was, he cared more about what God thought than what she thought or he thought. And if you want to live a, a thriving life, don't compromise what you believe. It's real. This world needs real people that love God and stand for what's truth. We need the church to rise up and stand. So would you stand with me? We're going to get ready to take up communion. And so if you would, would you come and... and let me pray with you before you do that because I want to just stay on this theme.
Father, is there anything in our hearts right now that we need to, any unforgiveness that we need to give over to you? God, help us. Just like when you were on the cross, all the people that, that spit on you and beat you, everybody that disowned you and left you, and you were hanging there with just a, a handful of people looking up at you, you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the same way, Father, the grace that's on our lives to forgive, that you would give us the power to forgive. That's what grace is. It's empowering me to do what I couldn't do before. So we just receive grace to forgive and to bless. And Father, the one thing, just think about it, guys, while we're praying, is there one thing in your life right now that God wants you to be obedient in? Is there one thing about faithfulness or stewardship that he's asking. Be faithful. Be faithful in that one thing. I want to promote you, but I want you to be faithful. So, Father, help us to be faithful. You know what? Faithful, full of faith. Faithful, full of faith. Fill us up with faith, that we'd be overflowing with faith, that we would believe and that would affect our actions and we would make a difference in this world. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboone.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.